America has suffered through a civil war once already. Today, it is racing toward a second civil war. Learn the only way to prevent this deadly tragedy. Next, on The Key of David with Gerald Flurry. Greetings, everyone. The American Civil War was raging in 1863. America was actually devastated and was about to be torn apart, just torn to pieces. And it was then that Abraham Lincoln uh, presented his plan to win the war, the Civil War, and save the nation. Today, many leaders will tell you that they think America is headed toward a civil war. And if we were to actually follow the example of Lincoln and many Americans during the Civil War, we could avoid that bloody Civil War. We could avoid it altogether, and of course, it would be far worse than anything of the past. Lincoln really knew the secret to national success. He understood that better than anybody, and his secret saved America, and his formula, if it were to be used again today, would save America from a civil war. It would prevent it from ever happening. Lincoln knew that a divided nation like America at that time could not stand, and he wanted to keep it a, and make it that great nation that it should have been and not just little insignificant in, uh, states here and there. That was not what the Constitution was all about. So how was it all going to be achieved? I want to read to you just a few of his words and uh, see if, if we could ever replicate these words today. This was a proclamation appointing a National Fast Day, March 30, 1863, right in the middle of the Civil War. And here's, it was by the President, and here's his proclamation written in, in a document. Whereas the Senate of the United States, notice this is involving the Senate and the President at that time, the Senate of the United States devoutly recognizing the supreme authority of the just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance, genuine repentance, will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history, that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord." Profound statement. He concludes it by saying, "...and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord." He's talking about the sublime truth, the lofty, noble truth of the Bible. That's what he's talking about. Holy Scriptures, Holy Scriptures. Now, this is all proven by history. 
And I think that's a much more profound statement than most people realize, but what a proclamation. So I want to talk to you today about how Lincoln won the Civil War. And as I said before, that if we want to prevent another civil war, we need to follow Abraham Lincoln's formula, if I can express it that way. But let me continue to read from that proclamation. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, he continued. But we have forgotten God. Imagine a politician, the leader of the land, telling all of them, all of the nation, that we have forgotten God. Now, can you imagine a politician standing up and saying that today? Well, I'll tell you this, our morals and our spiritual lives today are far worse than they were at the time of Abraham Lincoln. And he declared this a national day of prayer and fasting and called for the people to stop forsaking God, and it saved the nation, saved it. Another proclamation, he said, we need to humble ourselves before Him and pray for His mercy to pray that we may be spared further punishment, though most justly deserved. He said that in another statement, but it ties right in with this. But notice this statement I made there. He said, we need to do this because it will spare us further punishment. What is he talking about? Punishment from whom? Punishment from God. God was actually punishing the American people at that time. And look at all the problems we're going through today. Shouldn't we ask the question, well, is God punishing us today? Is He punishing us? I think we ought to ask that question, and I think it's a resounding yes. We need to understand that. Where are we morally today? That's what Lincoln was dealing with. And they were right in the middle of the Civil War, but notice in 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. This really is the verse I think that Lincoln was referring to. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now, that is an absolute, total, ironclad promise from God. If we will humble ourselves and really seek God and turn from our wicked ways, that God, then God of heaven will, will forgive our sin and heal our land. Does this land need to be healed? Oh, I think it does. I think it does, and I think this is the very verse that Lincoln had in mind when in his proclamation. But do you realize what this powerful verse actually says? That there is a way to heal this land. Heal it. And it was healed. The fruits are there to prove that what Abraham Lincoln did worked. God heard, and God saved the nation. Didn't let it become a well, a group of little states that 
would be of no power or significance whatsoever in the world. Do you think uh, really that the people of America, and this also includes Britain, uh, because they are they are the two birthright nations, but uh, do you think they will heed this message as they did in uh, 1863? We lead the world in broken marriages and families, and those are God-plain relationships. The marriage is a type of our marriage to Jesus Christ. The family is a type of the family of God that we're going to be born into. And those that marry Jesus Christ are going to be able to sit on His throne because they, they're called out before this, this terrible crisis that's coming on the world. They're called out before Jesus Christ returns, and they're going to share that throne with Jesus Christ. They are the first fruits. But look at our, the problems and sins that we have in this world. We lead the world in pornography, producing pornography, and multiple billions of dollars profit are made through pornography from this country that has forsaken God, would you say? What, would, what do you think God would think of that in these broken marriages and broken families and upside-down families? I'll tell you, we are farther away from God than the people in the, uh, fighting the Civil War in 1863 at that, at that particular time. Abraham Lincoln continued in his proclamation, It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Well, forgiveness! How many people think they really need forgiveness? Well, God says we do. And He concludes, by saying, All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins, no less than the pardon of our national sins, and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. Oh, how wonderful is unity and peace! Can we get back to unity and peace? Only if we follow what Abraham Lincoln is saying. It's the only way. Now, that was signed in by the President, and he, he expected the Congress, he, the President and the Congress, to lead the way. And he said, In another place, are we too proud to humble ourselves before the God that made us? Before the God that created us? Are we too proud to humble ourselves before God? See, the fruits prove that Abraham Lincoln's way works. And I'm telling you, this is our own history. Our own history. Well, let me just read another little part of it here. I want to point out another part of the proclamation. He said, uh, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. 
Do we look upon that that way today? He wrote that. I'll tell you this, we talk about the birthright promises often, and, and we've explained that in our free book on the United States and Britain and prophecy, but uh, here you see Abraham Lincoln had some insight into that promise. He had to have to make this statement. He goes on to say, We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. And he says, We have vainly imagined. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own, or some exceptional Americanism. That's not the way it worked. That's not what really happened. All these blessings came to us because of the obedience of Abraham. And that's explained in the book on the United States and Britain and prophecy. But how many people think that we somehow created all this wealth by our own ingenuity? How many people think that we did that by, because of our own wisdom? And others thinking, well, this is just an accident. No, it isn't an accident. This is the greatest nation ever on this planet, single nation. The British Empire was even greater, but they've already faded away, and now America's fading away, and will continue to fade away if we don't learn what's happening here, and we have offended God. Look at all that He gave us. Abraham Lincoln knew that and understood that. How many people understand that today? To me, this is just such depth, that we must understand it if we're ever going to solve our problems. He goes on to say, Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Wow! Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Let me just quickly read to you what Abraham Lincoln had to understand to some degree. This is all prophesied in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, verse 11 in Genesis 35. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of you, and kings shall come out of your loins. Prophecy for the future, for this end time. And it has been fulfilled. God did exactly what He said He would do. And you can prove that it all was promised then, and it's never been fulfilled until this end time with America and Britain. Verse 12, And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to you I will give it, and to your seed after you I will give the land. And it came to the United States and Britain, the British peoples around the world. Prophetic Israel. You can see that in Genesis 48 and 49. That's two nations, prophetically, that God is talking about in this end time. God uh, talks about the many nations which became one great nation, and so uh, there's a lot going on here. Uh, the Moffat calls it a group of nations. That birthright means any right acquired by birth. Just by being born, we were 
prophesied to receive the blessings that we've received in America. And is God now taking them away because, well, He's fulfilled His, His Word, He's done what He said, but we, have we forsaken God? Oh, I have to tell you, that's a resounding yes in my mind and in the mind of this God that's talking to us. Abraham Lincoln understood some of this. And I'm telling you, we have to realize we have problems. And uh, he, he was really telling everybody to repent. Everybody. Here's some, uh, an end time prophecy in uh, Ezekiel 13 and verse 1. And it's an end time book. We prove that in our booklet on uh, Ezekiel. And the word of the Eternal came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say you unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear you the word of the Lord. How many prophets, how many ministers prophesy, but it's only out of their heart. It's not out of the word of God. This is out of the word of God. These, these, these are not my words. You're cursed if you follow a man, any man, and that certainly includes me. And then he goes on in verse 3 and talks about the foolish prophets and how they have seduced God's people and built up a spiritual wall, and he sends a little uh, uh, stormy wind, which he's talking about the, the wall is spiritual and the stormy wind is spiritual. In other words, it's a stormy wind coming just before the great storm that we could prevent if we'd heed God's message. God always warns His people. He always warns Israel. And He's talking to us here spiritually, but when it comes to the punishment, it's going to be very physical. And yet, through that punishment, God says in verse 14, You shall know that I am the Eternal. Even in spite of their going on and sinning, but in that great tribulation, they see that, that great multitude of millions of people see what they have done and repent and get, get to know God. Yet to know God if they are allowed to live, and they uh, certainly many of them are. But when it talks about that stormy wind, it actually uh, means to break through to anyone. That's Gesenius Hebrew and Chaldee lexicon. And it's something that's going to really uh, make people see that they, they have ministers that are teaching them error, teaching them out of their own hearts. It's not out of the very living Word of God. That's what Ezekiel was concerned about. These are not my words. These are God's inspired words. And it's a warning. See, and he talks about the daubing of the, the, uh, the wall, which means false doctrines that these men are building, and it just, they're just kind of clumsily putting it all together. And it's not provable from the Bible. It's not provable. That stormy wind is just the outer edge of the great storm it's already building. That's what God is telling us. It's just the outer edge of the really great storm. God is always warning us and warning those people that are daubing the 
the spiritual walls with very clumsy doctrines that are in error. He also goes on in verse 16 and says, they, uh, they will tell you that we're going to have peace and God's going to give us peace. And God is not going to give us peace. He's going to give us things that are uh, very, very much involved in uh, battles and wars and everything else if we don't understand what he's saying now. But then he goes on in the last two verses or three verses and twice again says, You shall know that I am the Lord. This is good news. And even in spite of our rebellion, he's going to get us to the point where we know him. We don't know God today. We just don't know him. So we have to, I'll tell you, if you're a minister, you'd better know what you're talking about. God is making some condemning remarks here about ministers. And if you look at James 3 and verse 1, it says those ministers are going to receive the greater condemnation. Lincoln said, Unless the great God who assisted President Washington shall be with me and aid me, I must fail. But if the same omniscient mind and almighty arm that directed and protected him shall guide and support me, I shall not fail. Let us pray that God of our fathers may not forsake us now. He said that in another place. See, the Civil War almost destroyed America. But God has, a, again, He has a lot to give us. If you, you can look at uh, Revelation 12, I want to read this to you, the la this uh, last part of it, where it says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. Just a short time left. The good news is Christ is coming. All of this is tied directly to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But what does Satan do? The first thing, he is cast down to this earth and confined to this earth with all of his millions of demons. Notice verse 13, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, the very people of God. And Ninety-five percent of them turned away from God and forsook God. And then verse 14, notice this, the good news that is for you and for anybody that will obey God now. And to the woman, that's always a symbol of a church, but to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Three and one half years she's going to be in that place of safety where God is going to protect her because she got the message of God out to the world. And God promises to do that, even protect her physically as well as spiritually. Now that is a truly a great miracle. Well, we, I have a, an article also I want to give to you a warning to America from our greatest past presidents, and that was from the Philadelphia Trumpet, July 2018. And that's a reprint article that is really powerful and it explains what I'm talking to you about today in more detail, and it, it, it gives us tremendous insight into what Lincoln was talking about and what our forefathers talked about, and we also will give you a 
a booklet on the crisis in character, a booklet that will explain to you why we're having all these problems today. How are we going to build character? Well, God tells us that very explicitly, and we need to learn it very quickly. Until next week, this is Gerald Flurry. Goodbye, friends. America has suffered through a civil war once already. Today, it is racing toward a second civil war. Learn the only way to prevent this deadly tragedy. To America's founding fathers, character meant everything to the success of the nation and its leadership. Where did they get that idea? What does it mean to have strayed from that ideal today? Request Gerald Flurry's free booklet, Character in Crisis, to prove the nation-saving importance of private morality. This topic is up for serious debate today, but it shouldn't be. America has a chance to avoid a second civil war, but only if individuals, families, congregations, and communities turn to God. Also request Gerald Flurry's free booklet, Repentance Toward God. Are you ready to learn the difference between worldly sorrow and godly repentance? There is a huge gap between the common perception of repentance and actual repentance. Real repentance is no casual confession to God. It's a commitment to change your entire way of life for the better. Learn how to truly repent. Examine biblical examples of repentance so you can follow these heroes to everlasting success. You will also receive a copy of our free reprint article, A Warning to America from Our Greatest Past Presidents. In times of crisis, strong American presidents like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln knew exactly what to do, pray. They searched their lives and their nation for any reason why God might be punishing them. Instead of blaming God in hard times, they took personal responsibility for the sins of the nation and relied on Him for deliverance. America today desperately needs hope and unity like it once enjoyed. Learn how God will give these blessings and so much more back to America very soon. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request Character in Crisis, Repentance Toward God, and A Warning to America from Our Greatest Past Presidents. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. All our literature is available free of charge at no cost or obligation to you. Request Character in Crisis, Repentance Toward God, and a warning to America from our greatest past presidents. Order now. For the free literature, call toll-free 1-800-339-7629. The preceding program was a paid presentation of The Key of David, brought to you by the Philadelphia Church of God.